professionalism you can only get here, folks. That's right. All right, welcome in, everybody. It's the Important Nonsense Podcast. Catch the fever. Catch the fever, as always. I am your host, Steve Bonham. You can catch me on Twitter at Nonsense underscore Steve. My co-host, Mr. Smith, at Nonsense underscore Neil. Neil, how you doing this evening? Catch the fever. See, he knows. He knows you got to catch <laughs> that fever. That's how we're doing. Yeah. And then once you've doing. got the fever, don't be Amari Cooper and drop it. you got to catch it. you got to catch the fever. Catch the you fever. Catch it, it to the ground. Exactly. Complete the fever catch yes. to the ground. All that's right. that's how that works. All right, Neil. It's Wednesday, the tenth of October. We are uh, at the halfway point almost of the fantasy regular season. It is flying by. Time is flying on us here. So uh, we got a ton of news to get into. There's no kicker news though. There should be. You would think after I mean, what happened this make past some weekend, up? right? Nice job, you. F- Kicker! Nice job! Not a lot of people saying that this weekend. Not a lot. There's a lot of, uh... Well, you know... Maybe sarcastically. Maybe as sarcastic <laughs> as Todd Haley. Yeah. It's just... But no one actually meaning it. Because that was... That was some brutal kicking experiences out there. Not just Mason Crosby. But Robbie Gould missed oh. a PAT for, like, the first time in forever. Just some Dan chip shot field goals. Oh, it was rough. It was a rough weekend for kickers. But, uh, no. Big, big news this week, so, uh, let's get into it. The football preview. Halfback, passes to center, back to wing, back to center, center holds it, holds it, holds it! No, not that football. Aw, oh, the Denver Broncos! Yeah, that's the one. You just don't understand football. News. Good news, everyone. Read all about it! And stats. You need to win. You play to win the game. On the Important Nonsense Podcast. Starting it with some tight end news. Trio of updates for you. Uh, Austin Sparing Jenkins heading to the IR. Been a disappointing year for ASJ with the uh, Jags, to say the least. He is eligible to return in week 14, but he's certainly not worth statuting on your bench at this point. There are better options out there long-term and short-term. With him out, former Redskin Niles Paul is in line to take over as the Jags starter if you are truly tight end desperate in that Jaguars offense. We also have Greg Olson back practicing. He's a big Before we move on, Niles Paul, you don't want Niles Paul. Just... To be clear, Niles Paul's you not would need terrible. to be so desperate. It's just, you're, that, that's catch. why I said desperate. He's super desperate. Uh, yeah, very. It, it's a guy that will come up as a matchup-dependent streamer during buys. That says more about that. how bad tight end is than anything else. It does. It really does. But, yes, you are correct. He's not spectacular. He's not someone I'm saying go pick up this week by any means. But once we get into the weeks where we have like four or five teams on buy, then, then you're definitely going to be looking at his direction uh but yes greg olson back practicing huge risk reward guy we know he can uh provide huge numbers when he's healthy the issue is he injured his foot in week one he'll need off-season surgery to fully repair it so it's a huge risk he's just been sitting on the sideline letting it heal naturally to this point 
it's possible he re-aggravates the foot injury and he's out the rest of the game. It's buyer beware, to say the absolute least, on Greg Olson. But if you've been waiting for him to come back, you've been stashing him, uh, it, could, it looks like it might be uh, sooner rather than later he's back in your lineup. You don't really want to start him this week, <laughs> just unless unless you really have no other options. It, it, I just screams limited, right? And, you know, you've been filling in for him to this point. I got to feel like whoever you've been streaming has been doing good enough for you that uh, you don't need to push it and uh, and hope for the best from him this week. I think you can wait one more week and be all right. And then speaking of uh, top-end tight ends fighting injuries, Evan Ingram, surprisingly listed as questionable coming into the week, a full participant at Tuesday's practice. Remember, it was supposed to be a two- to four-week injury. He's only missed the two weeks. They are playing in the Thursday night game. He's already officially been ruled out for that. That being said, if he was almost good to go now with the extended time off and the break they're going to have this weekend, he should clearly be ready to go for week seven after being out just three weeks. So good news for Evan Ingram owners. Meanwhile... Frank Reich said both tight end Jack Doyle and wide receiver T.Y. Hilton are getting closer to playing but are still week-to-week with their injuries. ESPN reporting that they are both unlikely to play this weekend. Something to keep an eye on just in case. As always, I believe Ebron is a guy you have to start if Doyle can't give it a go because of his red zone targeting. If you're interested in anyone in Indy outside of... uh, in the wide receiver position, I should say, if uh, if T.Y. isn't able to suit it up this weekend. Uh, I mentioned them both in the waiver column, but uh, primarily Ryan Grant. He has uh, looked good. So he's getting an expanded role, and Andrew Luck is starting to look his way a little more. And to a lesser extent, uh, with Doyle and Hilton both being out, Chester Rogers has actually been getting additional mm. run ah. it's just i've been very clear on how i feel about chester rogers actual skill set all that hate mail and... we got about chester rogers in the preseason coming back now yeah well i mean no one expected half the Colts <laughs> skill position guys to immediately get hurt so chester rogers you know limited skill so set to be fair if we look at their history we probably should have probably the strength and conditioning <laughs> does not appear to go well in indy typically so but yeah, to a lesser extent, Chester Rogers, if you're looking for some sort of flex wide receiver, I'm only interested in him as long as all those guys are hurt. And again, that might be one where I'll, I, you just play him and you don't watch it. Cause at some point he's going to make a couple horrendous drops in the game and you're going to be like, that's the guy waiver claimed. Why are you doing? That's going to happen. Lamar Miller missed week five with his chest injury. He is, however, expected to be back week six against the Bills. Look, there's no way to sugarcoat it. He has struggled so far this season, not only because of his play, but also because of that terrible Texans offensive line. Against the lowly Bills, though, I still believe he is a strong, uh, it's a strong week to, to trust him and put him back in your lineup. Would you agree with that, or are you just completely out on Lamar Miller at this point? Now, you remember what you said about Derrick Henry in that Bills game, and it's kind of like, yeah. this is it. Mm-hmm. If you yeah. can't do it now, then I'm done. That's where we are with Lamar Miller, where I'm just at that point with it where, I mean, frankly, it's not all the O-line, obviously, as you pointed out, because we watched Alfred Blue have some limited some limited success. When yeah, Lamar Miller sat. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, so it's not totally the O-line. Some of it definitely is Lamar Miller is struggling. He looks bad, and then he got hurt, which is not helping. It's just, there's no acceleration. There's no acceleration anymore, and I just don't, like, he's not going to, he's only going to get what's blocked, and what's going to be blocked is nothing. So (laughs) that's not going to work. Yeah. Yeah, that's not going to work. So if you can't do it now, I'd say... At that point, it's time to sell, sell, sell Lamar Miller, and I'd be lowering my expectations in terms of what that market looks like. That being said, running back is it's really funny with that right now. Uh, even players that aren't particularly good or playing well kind of find their way into people's lineups because of how desperate it is. Meanwhile, Devonta Freeman dealing now with a foot injury after having the hamstring the whole first half of the season. It's got him in doubt for week six. As I've mentioned before, though, if he were to miss the game or, I mean, even be limited in any way, Ito Smith is the name you need to know and the player you need to own. He is the clear-cut handcuff to the Freeman position in that offense. He's getting the lion's share of the between-the-20s workload as well as the goal line carries. Tevin Coleman is still there, and he would still be a solid RB2 play if Freeman were to miss the game. If Freeman does somehow give it a go, Coleman falls back into his uh, back-end flex territory. Did you want to add anything on that or no? If he does give it a go, he'll be limited. So, I mean, right. temper expectations for Freeman. Meanwhile, Leonard Fournette could be out through the team's Week 9 bye, according to recent reports. He's been dealing with that hamstring injury all year and re-aggravated it when he tried to come back. It's especially interesting now with Corey Grant suffering that Liz Frank injury ending his season last week. They went out and signed Jamal Charles to take Grant's third down pass catcher role because they're just that desperate at this point. TJ Eldon is obviously still the primary guy and the one you want, but with this news, it seems like Fournette's real value, to fantasy owners at least, will be for the playoff stretch. So if someone with Fournette is desperate to try and keep their season alive and they're looking for players who are playing now, is Fournette someone you're actually looking to buy low on with the idea they can help you win come playoff time? Maybe. We talked about this last week in Devil's Advocate. I still think that the conclusion we arrived at is still the correct one. If I own Fournette, I'm probably at this point going to go talk to the guy who owns Yeldon and see if I can work something out there in terms of getting pieces to win uh, to backfill to just because by now, if you invested that much in Fournette, a lot of the teams with that probably aren't doing particularly well unless you really nailed the rest of your draft or have already made some sort of trade that you won. So I still think that's kind of uh, where you're going to have make the most hay. That being said, to answer your question directly, uh, yes, but price tag i could see being an issue and actually trying to logistically negotiate that now i've flipped on this last week and devil's advocate as you mentioned i was on your side of it where uh i would want to have tj eldon already and try to go get fournette uh you know to to or i'm sorry fournette go get yeldon and 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 have the pair of them because we were expecting him to only be out two or three weeks at that point now, if you're telling me he's going to be out until at least week 10, then I would have to believe, knowing that, that the price tag has changed. Has it not? It should, but that's the, that's the problem with people's overvaluing of their own players. You know what I mean? The conversation, I agree with you, by all rights, should be, look, I am getting 
best case scenario, six weeks of Fournette, unless you're one of the leagues that plays to week 17. So you're realistically going to get six games out of him, and that's going to be the argument. The problem is whoever paid full price for Fournette, I don't know that they're going to be cognitively ready to have that conversation with you without it getting emotional. Yeah, you know what I mean? At this point, we're five weeks in, so you're probably like, what, two and three? Best maybe case even scenario. one and four. You might be one a, and four and trying Fournette to bail owner. out the raft. Yeah. And if you can get, you know, a couple usable pieces for Fournette on name value, I would absolutely be making that deal to uh, to try to keep my season and my hopes alive. And if you're a team that's four and one, five and zero, oh, and you want to have a a top ten running back when he comes back, I mean, it's absolutely worth the risk. I would think to, yeah, to make some bench player five, offers. Sure. Yeah. Yeah, if you can just if, if you can give, give up depth. usable bench depth pieces to uh, to acquire Fournette for later in the season, I'd absolutely do that now at this point. Yeah, based on that idea where it's six, it's just that you're going to have to really work hard, I would think, in the negotiations to actually make sure that you're not overpaying. Yep. Yeah. That's, so just uh, buyer, that's another case where it's great to know, great to know the people in your league there. Yeah, because you're going to have to be able to make the argument to somebody. I would think in that manner where it's like, look, I'm paying you for six games effectively. And I'm also trying to help you save your season. And you can't have a nuanced conversation like that with somebody who's just giving you one word to know. Meanwhile, uh, Jay Ajayi was the big news of the week. He's got a torn ACL and is done for the year. So extremely disappointing for the Eagles, obviously, and for his fantasy owners. The immediate impact here is tomorrow night's game. Corey Clement and uh, Wendell Smallwood are going to see increased workloads. I've mentioned several times now, I believe in Smallwood. He's the between-the-20s guy and the goal-line guy, just like I was talking about with Ito Smith earlier. So he's the guy that I would be most interested in because he's got the best possibility for a touchdown, in my mind. With that being said, uh, LaShawn McCoy and Le'Veon Bell are both rumored to, uh, to be on the radar of the Eagles. So they've reached out to acquire uh, McCoy from the Bills, reunite him with the Eagle faithful. If you're currently a McCoy owner, I mean, that would be great news. At this point, how could it not, right? Better offensive line, better overall offense, more workload and production. Rest of the season, I'd say he's still in that mid-RB2 range with RB1 upside. The biggest question mark with him would still remain to be his off-the-field issues he'd have to go through. And, you know, Adam Schefter was quick to shoot it down, but I still believe that if you really want to go after another title and you're the Eagles, that at least making some kind of offer to your interstate rival for Le'Veon Bell makes the absolute most sense. So with them playing on Thursday, having the entire weekend to talk to other teams and look at their entire options... I have to think they're going to get some kind of deal done this weekend so that next week they have a new stud starting running back for them, no matter who it is. So are you buying in to any of these in-house guys, you know, whether it's Clement Smallwood or someone else, to step up and take over that role, or does the prospect of them making a trade or signing someone off the street bother you too much to uh, to make an investment in an Eagles running back? Well... That's an interesting juxtaposition because technically speaking, and I'm double checking this because this is always good radio. I'm double checking ownership percentages while we talk. Uh, but Smallwood, I believe, is still, he is, he is still under the cutoff of 50% owned. 
So that right there. And Clement yeah, is week, literally at 50%. Yeah, so for this week, both of those guys are available on the waiver wire. So given that, uh, it, largely available, I should say, either one technically is fine. And I'm willing to go out on the waiver wire and put in a claim because I'm sure that you've got something on the back end of your roster that you probably don't really need. And most people, I would say, have running back depth issues for sure. So right there, those are guys that are going to have starting roles for this immediate game tomorrow. So I'd say go figure that out. If you need a Clement or a Smallwood, both guys are going to play. Both guys are going to have value. Do you differentiate them, Steve, in your mind of like who's going to be the quote unquote running back and who's going to be the change of pace pass catching guy? Because to me, it's kind of there's kind of the same guy. Yeah, Smallwood. Smallwood's the guy who's going to get the, the lion's share of the carries and Clement's the pass catcher. Yeah. So they're both going to have value. And it's not like either one of them is particularly bad at catching the ball. Right. So I wouldn't I wouldn't worry about that. Keep in mind, too, it's that, that like Darren a, Sproles also still exists. He's just out hurt right now. He yes, correct. Darren week. Sproles does exist. And his, unfortunately, his victory lap on his retirement tour out of the NFL looks like it's going to get cut short here. So that's that's not good. But in terms of trading for them, it would depend on what the actual price tag we would be discussing is. So trading is going to be tricky, but so I'd say right now, if you're listening to this and it's Wednesday evening, run to your computer and go do it. Like, go make a waiver claim because that'll help you. Uh, that being said, there is the little bit of a scary part long term, which is also why I'm a little bit afraid of trading for one of these guys of them going out and making a blockbuster uh, trade. So, well, that, it's interesting, too, because it's already, Thursday. So it's yes, because of it being it the Thursday. Thursday game, you don't really have a lot of time to work on this. If no, you can get you a deal done before the game wire. tomorrow, perfect. And if you can add them yep. off waivers, perfect. I would do that. But sure. to, to acquire them now, again, I can't, I can't in good conscience acquire them Thursday, you know, after Thursday's game. I guess you would have to wait until next week anyway when wait. they unlock. Yes, I have to wait until the next week anyway because I want to get through the weekend before I figure out what the reports are on them trying to sign someone. Because yeah, exactly. nothing's going to happen now, but talk to me on Tuesday. Let's revisit that issue on Tuesday when we're putting together the show notes. You know what I mean? Because we might be yeah. having a very different conversation about somebody getting dealt to Philly so they can go on a title run. Hell, it may even be somebody that we're not even thinking of. They're going to do something. They're not right. going to they try and roll. To, with they it. have to add something. There's no so way they run with these two guys. You agree with fine that, right? pieces. Yes, there is. they have to do something if they want to go back to the Super Bowl. Now, that's a separate conversation. If they don't view that as their goal, which, by the way, they absolutely view that as their goal if they want to keep their jobs. So so they do. They're going to try. Despite the bad start to the season, the Super Bowl hangover, the injuries, they're, they're going to be trying to still win that. That division is wide open. There is nobody in that division that scares you too well, bad. Well, just quoting Jason Witten left and right. Look out. That's right. That's right. <laughs> yeah, everybody steals their hot takes from Jason Witten. That's right. The most stolen from analyst in football. Yeah, the Redskins but, are leading that division right now at 2-2. Two and two. Yeah, so, no one believes in that, especially after you watch them get just get right. Yeah, the Cowboys are 2-3, and three, the Eagles are 2-3, and three, and the Giants are 1-4. and four. So if you win this yeah. game tomorrow against the Giants, which you absolutely should, and get back to 500, oh, yeah. you could be in first at the end of this weekend. Yep. So don't don't look None at the 2-3 record and say they're not looking at the playoffs. 
Yeah, they're absolutely trying to win that division this year and going back to the Super Bowl if they can. That's what they're going to try and do. So I completely agree with your your uh, your read on this, which is they are going to do something. I don't know if it's going to be Le'Veon Bell. I there was a report that came out today from the uh, the Buffalo beat reporters. I do not remember the gentleman's name offhand, but uh, apparently the going price for Le, uh, for uh, Lashawn McCoy is a second and a third round pick. <laughs> I don't know, man, that's stiff. That is a steep price tag. So I'm waiting for further confirmation on that report, but that was the only figures that were being reported, apparently, was the Bills are saying they want a two and a three. I don't know if you're going to get a two and a three for a guy who's like, man, that's stiff. So we're not talking I'm about trying to think what, uh, I'm trying to think what else it could be out there. Maybe Chris Carson? Well, yeah, sure. Like any one of the, the carousel that is in Seattle at the moment. Right, like uh, if they really like Mike Davis, and eventually it's going to be Penny's job anyway. If they can get Ronald for Jones, because the Buccaneers are hysterical. Uh, no, that's that's a joke. Ronald that's a joke. Jones, yeah. That's a joke. That's a joke. I'm the quiz show. Sure. Yeah. Sure. I'm doing a joke with Ronald Jones. Healthy scratch. Mark no, Ingram. Uh-huh. That that actually was. <laughs> Sean Mark Payton Ingram, hates him. Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram would be hilarious. Like it really would. Genuinely. I'm trying to think who else beyond that. There's there's really only a handful. Right, that's what I was saying. Like maybe. Alfred Morris gets traded out of San Francisco. Yeah, that would, that would have made been more hurt. sense before everybody else got hurt. Uh, so there's, but there's, hmm. yeah, it's it's interesting. Kenyon Drake, and I laugh myself silly. Uh, but I mean, yeah, if they really, if they really love Tariq Cohen, maybe the Bears trade Jordan Howard. Maybe, but I don't know that that's going to happen because Howard's been playing so he's been playing relatively well this year, and it seems like he's kind of doing what they've asked him to do, which is learn to catch and yeah, be more of a focal point in the offense. But we'll see. I, I, I also, by the way, that wouldn't like I wouldn't be terribly shocked if I woke they up. They go back to the Dolphins and get Kenyon Drake. That's what I just said. Why Thanks not? For to the show. <laughs> yep. There you go. So yeah, that get Frank that Gore. Would be, yeah, Frank Gore. Sure. <laughs> Frank Gore, by the way, suddenly. A lock for a thousand yard season. They put Frank Gore in there, three and a half yards at a time. Look at him go. Legarrett Blunt again. Things yeah, that are, things that. that are funny. That'd be funny. Yeah. Remember when he? Remember when he failed? Yeah, <laughs> you, you remember? Oh, I remember. But uh, yeah, but no, it's definitely something to monitor. I don't know how much I'm going to actually invest. Like you, I I don't think either one is going to oh, take over the that job wire, by themselves. We'll go out and we'll do something about it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like waiver wire is one thing, but yeah, trading. Yep. Yep, you got it. I would I would trade on their current value and not what they could be as a top guy. I would say that. I'm not paying that. Right. I would pay like a backup wide receiver or something to add them. Basically who you'd be cutting to pick up yep. them off waivers. Because yep. if you've got something roster trash on the back end, you need a you need a better RB2 option. And either one of those guys is out there, I'd say go do it. So as always, we're going to shout out to Aiden. Daily Awareness, check it out. Been doing great. Won me some money again last week. I'm going to have to start giving him kickbacks. You're right. I'm starting to feel bad. I told you. you got to start cutting him. But, uh, yeah, shout out to Aiden at FFAware. He is out there on Twitter. Let him know how how he's making you all kinds of money, too. He appreciates all the love. Trust me. Trust? I'm asking you to trust me. Or bust. You make any kind of mistake and boom. Players to start. Is that a fish you can trust or what? Trust your instincts. Players that should sit. Go ahead and take a seat. Take a seat right over there. Stop trying to make fetch happen. Helping you set your lineup. Don't make the same mistake I made. To win your week. Gotcha. Can't win, don't try. 
on the Important Nonsense Podcast. And remember, don't trust anyone over 30! Trust your bust, as always, kicking it off with QB's meal. And I, I, when we get to this time of year, I always say I'm trying to avoid guys on either end of it who are either going on to buy, coming off a buy. That's too easy. Same thing, going on, uh, starting an injury or coming off an injury. That's too easy. But that being said, I'm going with Jameis Winston as my trust this week, breaking my rules immediately because that's that's how I roll. You know, when I'm in charge here, I can break as many rules as I want. But Jameis, playing Atlanta this week, is only 33.3% owned, which is why I feel like he qualifies for this, because he's still out there on so many waivers. It's not just benches, it's waivers. So, you know, with the bye under his belt now, famous Jameis, back under center, taking on an awful Atlanta secondary. You know, they're one of the few secondaries that's been as bad as Tampa Bay. If that game doesn't have 700 points scored in it, I'll be stunned. So it should be a big scoring game for everyone involved. Get as much of that offense as you can possibly get on either side of it. Famous Jameis and his crab legs. Good start this week. Eat the W. Uh, I would add as well, they, just they being the Buccaneers, are incapable of running the football. So that'll help, unless he turns the ball over 12 times. My trust— And they're going to be throwing from is, behind all day anyway. That's the whole, that's their season. Uh, my trust, Mitchell Trubisky. That's right, Mitchie football. Somehow only 26.6%. Oh, Bears! Now, I get the skepticism because <laughs> he's looked terrible, and then he just torched a defense that we just, you know, harpooned three seconds ago. However, I got to believe, this is what I was saying all week, I got to believe that it's somewhere in the middle of those two ideas. I don't think they're as bad as they looked in a couple of those starts at the beginning of the season. I think they're still trying to work stuff out. And then also, I don't think they're as great as them just lighting everyone on fire, right. You know, headed into the bye. So I will, but however, worth a flyer for sure, especially this week going down to Miami, who Miami's defense is just completely overrated. It, it is they looked competent, but now half of them are hurt. By the way, Miami's offense is completely falling apart, and that's not just, you know, a Miami thing. That's also their O-line is one of the most beat-up units in all of football, and that is killing the defense at this point because they're just – it's mistakes. So I love some Mitchy football this week, uh, you know, on the road. And remember with that, too, this is part of the reason you have to pay attention to everything we're talking about in the preseason as well. The Bears – took the whole, you know, Rams mentality through the preseason, and Trubisky didn't play. That offense didn't run. They didn't have a preseason. They got basically no reps. So it's a new first-year coach, new offense, and they had no preseason, hardly any training camp. So it was going to take a little while for that to come together. I think in week four you saw what that offense can actually do, and now they got a bye week to put even more together. I, I think this offense can be dangerous going forward. So with uh, my busts, I got Phil Rivers at Cleveland. That hurts. I know. We talked about this before. That it's, hurts the show. He's our guy. I know. He's our guy. Mommy! But uh, the Browns this season, it seems like a great matchup playing Cleveland, right? Historically, yes. 
Oh, this... if it was last year? If it was last year, I'd be like, what are you talking about? Exactly. Start Phillip Rivers in every format. In two road games this year against Drew Brees and Derek Carr, uh, the Browns 26.6 points a game, three touchdowns given up per game on the road. At home against Sam Darnold, Joe Flacco, Big Ben, 8.7 points a game. They've given up one passing touchdown all season in the dog pound, and that was to Big Ben in week one. So they are absolutely dominating, dominating quarterbacks at home this season. I want no part of Phil Rivers. So my bust this week, Kirk Cousins going out at home against Arizona. And I know, I know, it's Arizona. They've looked terrible. They won one game all year against a completely depleted 49ers team. I get that. I'm aware of it. However, go look at Kirk Cousins' game log. He's scoring pretty well. He's doing what they've asked him to do for the most part. But the only time he puts up a huge number is in games where the defense fails him and they end up having to go back and forth against a good team. Whenever they play like a punching bag opponent, he's actually kind of averaging about an 18. And it's because they just don't need him to do a whole lot. They can just move the ball, and the other team can't do anything against the defense. And I think that's the game you're going to watch this week. So I think they're going to get up on Arizona. The defense hasn't been playing great, but they've been playing well enough that (laughs) Arizona can't do anything. So not really. So it's going to be a – I think it's going to be a light week for Kirk Cousins. I'm not expecting a big number. Uh, I'd be tempering my expectations. My trust at running back this week's Naheem Hines. Look, they were some – there were some easier picks out there, all right, as we've talked about. I try not to get from in coming back from injury, coming off a bye, but look, Hines has been a pick of mine pretty much since the preseason, and I'm just going to stick with him here against the Jets on the road. It's a game that, honestly, they could and probably should be trailing because the Jets have been a decent home team, and when they're passing from behind, they're throwing to him out of the backfield, not to mention the fact that he was the lead back for Indy, and even when Marlon Mack comes back, at this point, it just feels like it's his job to lose. So Naheem Hines, the guy I'm going with, is my trust. Uh, Hines appears to be the one developing the rapport with Andrew Luck, and it's kind of like the uh, – Yeah, that was the know, question Aaron. coming in. Who of that three-headed monster was going to emerge, and it's kind of the guy that we all push to the back. Yeah, and it seems like Hines is the one that's kind of like proving to Andrew Luck weekly, yeah, I can catch the ball, so throw it to me. And if you do that, he you're going to get – I mean, he's on Andrew Luck is on pace to break the attempts record this year, so <laughs> – I like it. Uh, my trust this week, Alfred Morris, and this is really more about the fact they don't have anything else in, in San Francisco. And it's a great matchup against the soft Green Bay defense. So I like Alfred Morris quite a bit this week on a volume play. And for what it's worth, he's looked good this year. He looked good in the preseason. He's looked good when they've given him extended runs so far this year. And I'm expecting him to have a, quite a lot, a lot of attempts and a lot of, uh, a lot of success. My bust this week. Saquon Barkley. Look, the dude has been fantastic all season to this point, but the Eagles' front line is one thing that is actually working for their defense right now. Now, granted, this is clearly a risk because the Eagles, when you look at their numbers, it looks like a tough matchup, but they haven't really faced anyone of Saquon's level yet this year. That being said, I'm also factoring in the fact that the Giants' O-line is absolutely terrible. And remember, on that last touchdown last week, Barkley tweaked his hamstring. Now, they said he was fine and that he'd be good to go in 100% this week, but now you're coming right back into it off a short week. I don't know. I'm real skeptical about what he's going to be able to do tomorrow night. 
I'm, I'm genuinely concerned that that game ends up being like 24 to 3. I'm genuinely Eagles. concerned it ends up being like 9 6. I can see that too. <laughs> I, honestly, I can see that too. I can see that too. By the way, you're going to need to put your finger over the, the stop, stop, he's already dead uh, drop. Just then you'll know when to hit it. So okay. my bust, my bust this week, Kenyon Drake. Okay, I thought you know when to hit it, but right there. Was- <laughs> stop! He's already dead! It's just professionalism you can only get here, folks. That's right. Kenyon Drake, we're just going to keep kicking him when he's down. Gets a lovely matchup with the best defense currently going in football, the Chicago Bears. I mean, for a guy who hasn't been able to really do anything, and get off my lawn with that touchdown catch last week. So fine, you want to hang your hat on that? You want to hang your hat on that? Help yourself. I am not playing Kenyon Drake against Chicago. That is not a thing that anyone should be doing. And frankly, if you have Kenyon Drake on your team, I don't know what to tell you at this point. Like, we've been telling you to get rid of that forever, first of all. So thanks for listening. Second of all, uh, I literally don't know what you get for it. Like, 25 cents on the dollar? How are you going to sell that? Like, hey, cut that touchdown pass. Okay, congratulations. Like, good for you. So I know you feel similarly about Kenyon Drake, and I am. Yeah, a, you have just, to try to sell it to someone who likes the name. That's it. Yeah, or is a Miami fan. Like, it, I really, I really don't want Kenyon Drake this week, though, just to to drive that point home. Wide receivers might trust this week. Taylor Gabriel. It's a guy I mentioned in the waiver column a couple weeks ago that you should be stashing on his bye week. He's the big play guy for Chicago, and that's what he's been his whole career. He's going to face a Miami team that we keep talking about this week. They're just allergic to playing defense in that secondary. Just feels like a big boom week to me for a constant boomer bust guy. Solid flex play with a high floor and an even higher ceiling. Taylor Gabriel. I like it. Speaking of uh, boomer bust guy, I'm going back to the well on Mohamed Sanu. He was my alternate if Geronimo Allison couldn't go. Uh, so he ended up... Uh, being the official trust because Geronimo Ellison did not go. Couldn't get out of concussion <laughs> protocol. So, and Mohamed Sanu, Sanu paid it off last week. He was great. And as a reward, he gets the, that Tampa Bay defense we just keep taking pot shots at. Start all your Falcons. The only one I'm a little concerned about is Freeman if he decides to play because he'll be limited. Literally anyone else, I'm good with it because they might score 60 points in that game. My bust this week, Alshon Jeffrey. Look, the Giants secondary has been sneaky good so far this season it's hard to argue that i mean you know my feelings already about thursday night football at this point that even aside the giants are the number one defense against the pass so far their worst showing was against the texans when they gave up a 21.1 to will fuller and that was only because he ended up in the end zone you know that was their only only one of two touchdowns that they've given up all year through the air so Outside of that, it was a 14.6 to DeAndre Hopkins, and the week after that, an 8.7 to Michael Thomas. So they are absolutely shutting down wide receivers this season. In their two games against him last season, Alshon Jeffrey had four catches for 56, no touchdown, and four catches for 49 with a touchdown. So, I mean, that's about a 10 I just feel like it, this is not a uh, not a great time to be playing Alshon Jeffrey. That's funny because I'm just going to add on my plus Nelson Aguilar, and I'm going to reference you back to the Elson, Alshon Jeffrey yeah. argument because I was literally going to write Alshon. There, you're good. There you go. I was going to write Alshon Jeffrey, and then I realized you'd already written it, so I was like, no, this is I already had all these stats, 
And that's really what it is. The Giants' defense is just absolutely smothering in the secondary right now. Who knew? Who knew that Eli Apple would somehow figure out how to play football in the offseason? Maybe because they threatened to cut him or trade him. <laughs> so it, it, I do not want to put a fine point on this, and we'll just close the segment on, on the, the Eagles' pass catching. I do not want to start any of the Eagles' wide receivers in, in this game. I am not interested because I feel like the Eagles are going to have to move the ball with the running, the aforementioned running backs and Zacherts. I'm also not super loving some Carson Wentz in that Thursday night game. I get it if you don't have better options. Believe me, it's not like I'm saying you got to take him out of your lineup for sure. But, yeah, so avoid your all the Eagles pass catchers except for Zacherts, and that's also part of why I like the running backs. I think that's how they're going to try and attack the Giants. Uh, my trust at tight end, Cameron Brait. Again, just like with Jameis coming off the bye, he's only 29.4% owned, people. Look, his numbers in the Fitzmagic offense were obviously less than inspiring. That said, it's Jameis time. And when you take out the 2016 season, which was his big year of production, and you just factor in the O.J. Howard year last season and what they've done this year, whenever the two of them are on the field together, even with O.J. Howard playing, there have been 14 games with them both on the field at the same time. And in those games, Brait averaged five targets and has scored seven touchdowns. He's averaging 10.7 points a game with Jameis under center. That's good enough this year to be tight end eight. The dude is not just a streamer option with Jameis back. Got to add him off waivers. Also, O.J. Howard possibly missing this week. <laughs> yeah, it's even bigger. So, still up in the air. Huge week o if O.J. doesn't play. But even if he does, it's a guy you yeah. have to have. Also, because O.J. will probably be limited. He has the same effective injury that Evan Ingram has. Uh, my trust, CJ Uzama. That's right. Name we haven't heard in years. <laughs> Somehow he's the last man standing for the Bengals. That's it. That's your analysis. There you go, folks. He's the only tight end left. Tight end is a complete wasteland, and we've seen him have success in the past. Now, I will point out a few things. He has hands made of actual stone. So that's a thing. Like, he's, there's a reason he's third primarily <laughs> not the best pass catcher however he knows the offense and Dalton is familiar with him and they've kind of shown they're not super afraid to throw him the ball so yeah. he's going to be the guy because both of the Tylers are hurt again so on a sheer volume I like me some CJ Osama and then lay on top of that the fact that they're playing Pittsburgh whose secondary has literally proven they can't stop anything to this point like I if I, it really looks easy against them out there yeah to, to drive home what you're saying uh, i mean last week uh cj uzuma he had the 90 he had 91 percent of their offensive plays when they were out there and he ran 78 percent of those as pass routes so he's clearly out there like the target share doesn't seem like it's there but he's out there on the field a ton and the Steelers have given up a ton of yardage over the middle, especially to tight ends this year. So it is a fantastic matchup if uh, if you're desperate. Yeah, to stream I love him as a one-week rental. I uh, love it. Maybe, maybe you hold on to him longer, but as a one-week rental, absolutely. Yeah, at the very least, this week, a good play. Travis Kelsey is my bust against New England on Sunday night. We all know Belichick likes to uh, take away one of your favorite options, and Kelsey is obviously no different. In his career against New England, Travis Kelsey averaging 12.9 fantasy points a game. Remember their blowout win last year to start the season? 
you know, the uh, the Kareem Hunt coming out party in week one. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, Kelsey had five catches for 40 yards, no touchdowns. So they scored 42 points in that game, and he had a nine. He was not a factor at all in that game because that was the thing they wanted to eliminate. And I don't see that changing anytime soon. I mean, in a game when New England just could not stop them in any way, shape, or form, they absolutely shut down Travis Kelsey. So they're going to swarm him this week. I want no parts of the tight end from Kansas City. And my bust this week, Eric Ebron, and that one hurts me. But uh, <laughs> only recently, we've panned him for years, and then how quickly everyone seems to forget, now that he's learned how to catch, seemingly. But uh, I, the Jets is actually a terrible tight end matchup, and we actually have enough data to, uh, <clears throat> to actually make these calls matter. So the Jets just actually have good linebackers and good safeties. So it makes it very hard to attack them over the middle of the field. However, their corners are weak, so you usually have more success on the outside. I'm not saying don't play Eric Ebron. I'm just saying I'm tempering expectations, particularly coming off that two-touchdown performance where he put up like a 33. I find it hard to believe that they're going to have that kind of success against the Jets. So because tight end is so bad, you might not have better options, but he is not he is not one of my plug-and-plays for daily, for example, and probably looking for more like an eight or a 10 this week from him or something like that, as opposed to the double touchdown. May I play devil's advocate for a moment? It's time for some devil's advocate. Who the devil are you? Debating the topics. There's still one thing that doesn't make sense. The community is talking about. Now, what were we talking about? Devil's Advocate, take it away, Mr. Smith. All right, first topic. We're just going to get the big one out of the way. Alvin Kamara. Man. Okay, so he puts up a seven, for those of you who are severely out of the loop. Puts up a seven on Monday Night Football in the first game where Mark Ingram comes back, uh, and now they head into the bye week. And... Everybody simultaneously had a complete heart attack, just a complete, just a complete meltdown. So everybody just freaked out because he only oh had my a God, why? Exactly. That <laughs> is absolutely the reaction that happened. So <laughs> there's two ways to go about this, which is Helvin Kamara. Oh, my God. Hit the panic button. Eject trade him, do something insane, uh, you know, take anything, or <laughs> rationality. Rationality lost the day, let me tell you that. <laughs> so which which side would you like to take? Um, which side would you like? Because I can literally play either one here. All right, well, I'll do rational Alvin Kamara. All right. And I'll let you go first, if you don't mind. Sure. All right, well, I was saying last week through Twitter and the Fantasy Life app and other platforms, whatever, that, uh, look, if you could trade him to be for the view of the number one running back, I would do it. Because he's not Todd Gurley. He's not Zeke. He's not Melvin Gordon. He is a great running back. And I had him at RB5 in the preseason. And as I said then, it's simply because of the fact that for four games, there was no Mark Ingram and he had to get the workload. Now Mark Ingram is back. And the workload was going to go significantly down. We knew that going into it. We talked about it on the show last week. And if you look at the numbers historically, 
You know, people are panicking and freaking out about what happened. And just look, when both of them have been on the field at the same time, Mark Ingram is averaging 14 and a half snaps, 69 yards, about 18 fantasy points. Alvin Kamara, seven and a half attempts, 44 yards, and mostly pass catching is the difference, obviously. Five receptions, 50 yards through the air, and 18.9 points per game. So when the two of them are playing together, they both have about similar value. The difference in the preseason and the preseason rankings was the fact that there would be four games without Mark Ingram. That's it. So if you were able to get rid of him before and sell high on him before and get top-tier value, good for you. If you're going to try to panic and sell him now for lower value, I think that's a mistake. (laughs) And so here's the other side of this, by the way, just the rational side. Which is, yeah, he had a seven. Like, it happens. Did you see the game? (laughs) They were blowing them out so hard that what's the point? Also, I've been beating people to death with this, which is, look, Alvin Kamara, you just got to stand pat with it because he always has value. It's just that if you were expecting him to put up 40s every week, that's not going to happen. Nobody puts up 40s forties every week, by the way, people. Yeah. I just want you to talk you off the ledge here before you go do something silly and then curse yourself for the rest of time. <laughs> like No one puts up 40s every week. Sean Alexander didn't put up 40s every week. And he had the, the, he has like three of the highest, what is it, like three of the five highest fantasy games ever. Like no one does that. It's impossible. There is a, there is game flow. There is always going to be game flow. And as I've pointed out, They were already giving him veteran rest days on Wednesday because of the knee injury that they've been desperately trying to not talk about. Because it's not serious enough that it's actually going to limit him that bad. But the problem is you pick up a knock like that on your knee in week two and you have to carry the whole load. You will get hurt by week 11 or 12 or 13. It's You need this, okay? You you need Alvin Kamara to not be the guy. I know he's bigger than, than he looks on TV. He does weigh over 200 pounds. The problem is no one can just take shots like that. If he's going to be the guy, he's just not built physically to do it. And you should have known that, by the way, when you drafted him. Just so we're clear. It's not like none of us have ever seen Alvin Kamara play football before, and week one is the first time you've ever seen him. Like, you know what he is. He's the pass-catching guy. So, yeah, there's going to be games where they just get up and start clobbering people. They're up by 40, and Alvin Kamara is going to be drinking that blue. That's what it is. And so if you're telling me now you want to go try and sell high on him, well, dude, as to Steve's point, you've missed your window on that by two weeks. Yep. Like, you, you totally, like, blew it on that one. But it's also the idea of now is, so to panic now and to scream and cry now is insane to me. Get off the internet. Go read a book. <laughs> dude, figure, take, calm down. Just calm it down. Get your together. Better days are ahead. I get that you're frustrated that he took a seven. They're going into the bye. By the way, you want to worry about something, you worry about that converted quarterback they got running the Wildcat out there in the red zone. Tyson that's Hill. a thing yeah. that I would be worried about. Yeah, that's a thing I'd be genuinely worried about. Beyond that, it is what it is. That's probably his lowest game of the season if it makes you feel any better. If it makes you feel any better, a seven is probably the floor. Like the absolute rock bottom floor because they got up 42-10 and they were trying to run up the score on passing it because that's what's going to happen. Get back to me in week seven when he puts up a 22 and everybody's everybody forgets about this conversation. Just stop it. Just stop it with this whole conversation. And if you traded Alvin Kamara for 
50 cents on the dollar. Shame on you. Shame on you. <laughs> All right. Next topic. Next topic. Do you sell high on Cooper Cup or do you continue to believe in him? Gotta believe. This is a good one. Because he's, as we've pointed out, similar to Alvin Kamara. Right now, he's wide receiver four. Yep. <laughs> so, so he's probably not going to finish the season as wide receiver four. <laughs> so which side would you like, sir? Because you love Cooper Cup, so I'm going to defer to you to pick which how you want to go here. You know my affection for Cooper Cup, so I will go with the uh, the believe. Got to be a believer. All right. Well, then I will go first because this is the, the area that I think the majority of people fall on. So, look, you have to sell high on Cooper Cup. There's absolutely no way that the guy is going to keep putting up 35s and 40s and just ridiculous big plays. These big plays are not repeatable. Like, there's no way. He's going to have to regress back to the mean. He's going to fall from where he is now. It's impossible for him to finish where he's projected. I know the Rams are great, but right now you could probably sell Cooper Cup for something really good, and that's what you should be working on doing, not clinging to him for grim death. And that's just the way it should be. So if you're getting if you're getting big name value for Cooper Cup, if you're getting uh, something that's really fungible, like a really solid, you know, wide receiver. one, I'm sorry, a really solid like RB one or you can get Gronk or something like that. You absolutely must do that because you've seen the best games of Cooper Cup season. All fair. Wouldn't argue with any of that. And that is probably closer to where I lie. But I will say. Cooper Cup, guy I've always believed in, guy I had in the preseason as a a high-end three, low-end two, and that's where I think he finishes. But when you drafted Cooper Cup, did you take him in the first round? Did you take him in the second round? No. More than likely, Cooper Cup was drafted for you back into the, the starter areas of the draft. He was drafted to be your third or fourth wide receiver, you weren't relying on points from him every week. And the fact that he's been doing this out of your flex position has been crushing it for you. I believe he's still a strong flex for you going forward. And trading him on name value I don't think makes a ton of sense because what are you going to get back? If people look at it and say, well, it's just Cooper Cup. He just had a couple big games and they want to trade you something you know, meaningless for it. Why do I want that? Cooper Cup is the red zone guy. He there There is no tight end on this offense. Jared Goff trusts him more than anyone else. He leads the team in targets. He leads the team in red zone targets. This is the guy that they want to get the ball. Yes, he's hit some big plays, and that's given him huge performances, but what the thing for him is the high floor and the consistency. That's what you have to love about Cooper Cup and his production. He's never going to bottom you out and give you a week that absolutely loses you a game. So it, the consistency, the production there, in the red zone especially, that's a guy I want to hold on to long term. I wouldn't say that I would, wouldn't sell him for anything, but it's certainly not a guy I'm looking to actively get rid of for no apparent reason. Yeah, and I would actually agree in principle with the idea that yeah, you, you may have seen the best games out of Cooper Cup this year. However, I'm not trading him unless somebody wants to give me something, like yeah, I said, I'm not taking very pennies fungible. on the dollar just because his name is no, Cooper Cup. No, I want, I want what, what he is right now. And if someone's willing to give me something really good, like if I can get uh, some of the things I had mentioned before, like Gronk keeps springing to mind, but because of the scarcity of the position, something like that, mm-hmm. eh, think about it, depending on how the how the rest yeah, of the team sure. is constructed. I'd absolutely consider that. But, uh, yeah, it's not the conversation that's being had online anymore. The conversation being had online is, I want Cooper Cup, or God, get Cooper Cup off my team. Uh, and this is the last one. Right here. And this is the one that, frankly, 
I'm going to let the Texans fan probably do more of the talking here. Because I, I am still... Oh, I, I can am, take the driver's seat on this one. I'm going to see of emotion on this one, because I don't know what to do. So, Mr. Cavantini, a.k.a. Kiki, QT, <laughs> a flash in the pan or the real deal as the third wide receiver on the Texans' offense? Now, I am going to take the real deal side of this. Oh, no, I'm doing I'm doing the flash so in the pan. So, go for I'm flash in the pan. I'm going to lead you in and go right here. Go right I'm going to lead you right here. Who? That's it. That's the whole argument. Is he right riding? It's, it's, it's the majority of it. Is he riding? Sure. Does he love you? Yes. He'll never, ever leave me. Anyone who listens to this show over 50 has no idea what we're talking about anymore. We've completely lost him. Uh, <laughs> the, uh, He's got a whole challenge serious, named after him. He has to be good. Right. The serious questions are, it, it does kind of boil down to who, but it's also, you know, okay, can that offense sustain three people consistently? Is he going to not get hurt? You know, have we actually seen enough to where I want to do anything with this? And the answer comes back to I just need to see more. And it just it doesn't seem consistent enough. And it's also very real. Who? So take it away, my man, because I know you feel strongly about this. So here it is. We talked about it briefly earlier. Texans have a horrendous offensive line, cannot run the ball. And we saw it on the national stage this past weekend that the entire offense is basically snap Run for your life, Deshaun, and get rid of it as quickly as possible. That's the whole offense. That's what it has been. That's what it will be until they fix their line issues. So they're constantly throwing the ball, even in close game scenarios. I talked about it when Fuller came back, that with him in the lineup, they're averaging 35 points a game. The ball production has to go somewhere. The targets have to go somewhere. They have desperately been looking for a slot receiver in this offense for years it was supposedly going to be Braxton Miller, that didn't work. Then it was Bruce Ellington, that didn't work. And now finally, Kiki comes in, fourth-round draft pick. In his two games, he's been able to start after coming back from his preseason injury. He has 22 targets, 17 catches, 160 yards. He even has three rushes on end-arounds for two total touchdowns. Look, the kid has talent. We've seen it through college. He was a high-rated prospect coming into the draft this year. If he could stay on the field was the question. So far, he's on the field, and I love what I've seen out of him all preseason. I love what I've seen from him so far this year. The dude is an absolute flex play on a week-end, week-out basis because we've seen the Texans, look, all they do is pass the ball, whether they're trailing or winning. That's all they can do is pass the ball. And if he's going to get the dip and dunk stuff over the middle, which it looks like he will be, then uh, it's someone that's going to give you production, especially in PPR. And for the record, I land somewhere in the middle on these ideas. If you're telling me I can still waiver claim, claim him, yeah, absolutely. If I have to go out and acquire him, kind of a different conversation because I don't know exactly what I'd have to pay. Too early to trade. Yeah, it's going to be like hard to do it even. Because it's it's kind of like because somebody would have had to waiver claim him at this point. It's, yeah, they made a waiver claim for him recently because they buy into it. So it's going to be hard to just go, hey, I saw you made that waiver claim. I wanted to make it. Here's a player for him. Yeah, the answer to that usually is let me just go ahead and just pick your pocket. Then. Let me gouge you real quick. Like, yeah, let me go ahead and just like it doesn't work. So it's a it's it's, it's going to be really tricky to trade for him. But if I could waiver claim him, yeah. I'm I'm good with that idea because, you know, I agree. We've seen it well documented. They can't run the ball. Yep. And it's not like they choose not to run the ball. It's Oh, they, they try. Physically they're trying. 
Alfred Blue is the only one that has had any success even attempting to do that, and it was last week. And even that, it was okay. And that's because he's fast wasn't. enough to do the uh, run for your life tactics that uh, yeah. Watson uses. So it, but and then you're going to put Lamar Miller back in there, and I just have no confidence in it. Really, we yeah. kind of touched on that earlier. So it's it's uh, yeah. If you're going to end up having to be the Lions, there you go. That's how Golden Tate. Remember how Golden Tate made it on the scene? Yeah, there you go. Basically that. That's that's you know different style of player slightly, but positional uh role wise yeah it's a good comp actually it's a great comp i like that all right well that's it neil another one in the books again at nonsense underscore steve at nonsense underscore neil at important nonsense on the fantasy life app and uh until next week everybody just keep up the nonsense have a week music for the important nonsense podcast is provided by lee rosebeer lame genie and try Tachyon. Thank you for listening, and be sure to keep up with the latest content on importantnonsense.com.